Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, coming to you today from Sacramento, California, home of Desperate Visions Productions, my production company. And as you know, we are in the middle of editing um, A Lady Hyde and Emmanuel in Sin City. And uh, that is going along with, of course, this podcast and my current wrestling um, rebirth again into the ring, uh, doing that as well, three days a week. And I'm debating about launching another little side podcast, uh, not about Franco, but about something else. So um, be on the lookout for that. I might sneak that out, uh, not as a weekly deal, but as a... um, you know, whenever the inspiration takes me, maybe once a week, might be twice a week, might be once every few weeks, who knows, but anyway, so that's where we at on this little uh, regroup, I always like to give a little briefing in the beginning, kind of set the course for where I'm at, where my head's at, where everything's going, and uh, something like that is a, something that maybe, uh, you know, kind of keep spirits together, keep yourself from being possessed by too much and uh, speaking of being possessed, this is a good segue to talk about uh, film 61, of this being episode 61, Staying in Sync. Uh, that would bring us to the film Lorna, The Exorcist. This was made in 1974. Uh, country of origin is France. And, of course, we get the information from The uh, Delirious Passions by Mr. Stephen Thrower. And uh, so let's see, let's... Gangway and jump into this. All right, so we got uh, alternative titles. Okay, actually, original theatrical title, Lorna Le Exorciste, France. This film has many different titles. I have uh, a couple different posters here in the office for this film under different titles, um, and we'll go over those. Alternative titles, um, France, alternative theatrical and video title is... um, the Devil's Possessed, and then parentheses, Lorna the Exorcist. La Posadias de Diabella, Lorna the Exorcist. Uh, then it's also, in the USA, it was released theatrically as Linda, and I have a black and white poster of that, of like a woman's torso, and then a bunch of spiders and such crawling. Uh, then we have, um, in Canada, and the U.S. alternative alternate theatrical title is Luscious Linda. So they have the Luscious on there as more of a sexual connotation. Uh, then the Italian theatrical title is Sexy Diabolique Story, which I have pressed from that, um, poster of that. And then we have uh, French alternative video title, Le Possédis du Ballet, and uh, Belgian press artwork using the English title as Lord of the Exorcist was there. Uh, unconfirmed titles, um, let's see, Possession of the Demon, uh, okay, so production company, Comptoir Francois de Film Production at Paris, same as the distributors, Comptoir Francois. And then we also have for Paris, uh, Universe Galaxy was the theatrical distributor in Paris. And in New York, it was a little company called Tempar Releasing, T E M P A R. A very small outlet from them, I believe. All right, timeline shooting date, April 1974. And it premiered in France, uh, August 21st of 74. So four to eight, that's, well, that's only four months. That's a pretty quick turnaround. 
uh, French visa issued September 24th, 74. And then it played in the United States, New Brunswick, New Jersey as Linda, which I had talked about before, just straight Linda. And that was July 2nd of 1975. And Belgium played December 18th, 75. Then came back around to the United States uh, as Luscious Linda the second time, uh, May 19th of 76. So uh, a little less than a year later. And then in Canada, Edmonton, Alberta, played as Luscious Linda, December 9th, 77. And then finally, Italy Turun as Sexy Diabolique Story, uh, August 19th of 1981. Theatrical running time, France, 90 minutes. All right, so give me the old cast details on this one. Cast, uh, Pamela Stanford is the lead as Lorna Green. Uh, Guy Delamore is Patrick Briel, Linda's father. Lena Romay is Linda Beriel. Jacqueline Laurent is Marianne Beriel, Linda's mother. Howard Vernon plays Marcius, Lorna's henchman. Bigotini plays the manager of the Frontel Hotel. Catherine Laferri plays Marilee, the possessed woman. And uncredited on this is Jess Franco, who plays Doctor. Uh, Ramon Ardid, the husband and set photographer, uh, I'm sorry, the husband of Lena Romay and set photographer, plays two roles in this, a uh, male nurse and a hotel receptionist. And finally, Caroline Rivera, the woman on the yacht. That's uh, Franco's stepdaughter. All right. Oh, yeah, also, too, um, I have yet to watch this. I'm just recording these intros and uh, be watching this soon, so I am looking forward to this. This is a film I've owned for quite a while and has always sat on the shelf until it's time to be reviewed. So, yeah, look forward to checking this one out. Uh, looks really awesome. All right. Uh, cast. Credits. I'm sorry, credits. Director Jess Franco. Screenplay, adaptation, and dialogue by Nicole Franco. Good to hear it again. Uh, director of photography, Atian Rosenfeld. Editor, Gerard Kikonin. Music, Andre Benechot and Robert D. Nessel. Uh, presented by, produced by, Robert D. Nessel. And production secretary, Fernand Minuer. Uh, assistant Director Richard DeConnect, a.k.a. Bigotini. Uh, still photography on this one is Howard Vernon, of course, as Mario Lippert, and not um, uh, Ramon Ardid. Uh, still photographer, okay, see, makeup, cabinet, film, decent color, okay. Looks good. All right, production notes. In April, and what is this, 74, right? Yeah, so... In April 1974, the emotional weather of Franco's cinema grew more turbulent. With a small cast and crew, he took off to the Languedoc region in southern France to fetching up at fetching up at a purpose-built tourist resort called La Grande Motte. There, surrounded by striking modernist architecture resembling a seaside resort on Mars, he made one of the darkest films of his career, Lorna, The Exorcist. The exact shooting dates are unknown, but two details help to narrow things down. Firstly, in a scene where a deranged woman, Le Fier, rips pages out of a magazine, we glimpse two short story titles, Rush Hour and The Very Last Word. Research indicates that these two stories appeared together in the January 1974 issue of Playgirl. More accurately, the shoot can be dated by references to 
Le Croissance, the porno version of the previous year's Countess Perverse. New footage for Le Croissance was collected by Franco during the filming of Lorna using one of its key hotel locations. A newspaper headline visible in Le Croissance dates the shoot to the 13th of April, 74. It's therefore highly likely that Lorna was shot during April of 1974. All right, review by Stephen Thrower. As a deep demonstration of the unclean spirit Jess Franco can summon to the screen with the most minimal of resources. Lorna, the exorcist, is without equal. A strange, sickly current swirls through the astonishing work, a potent blend of sex and horror emanating from the most mysterious bottle in Franco's cine apocalypse. Here, in a film with no major scenes of violence, no special effects, and the lowest of budgets set for the most part in a bland hotel room, casinos, and bars. Yet it carries a powerful charge of the uncanny. It isn't perfect. Perfection doesn't exist in Franco's world. But there are passages here that throb with all that is outlandish and troubling in his cinema. The title may seem meaningless. There is no exorcist in the film. Least of all Lorna, who's actually a witch. And the paste may be too druggy for casual viewers, but Lorna, the exorcist, is still top drawer Franco. Its depressing, brooding atmosphere and the unsettling performances of Lena Romay and Pamela Stanford make it one of his most haunting and memorable creations. After a shot of baby apples on a tree, young fruit on the edge of maturity, we are introduced to two women. One is Lorna, Pamela Stanford a vampish woman in a curly blonde wig, and some seriously over-the-top eye makeup. The other is Linda, Lena Romay, a sultry young brunette on the brink of womanhood. First seen holding a telephone, Lorna appears to have summoned Linda to her bedchamber, because a second or two later the younger girl appears from behind a lace curtain. As the two lay down on a bed and proceed to kiss and fondle each other, we enter a languid, borderless limbo with intimate close-ups, guiding us to the threshold of Franco's most intense erotic obsessions, the vagina. Romé moves like a sleepwalker in an erotic revere, while Stanford commands the screen like a silent movie goddess. It's like a lesbian Dr. Caligari receiving oral sex from a female Cesar. Everything happens in what we might call real-time slow motion, Franco's default speed for sex. Nothing is rushed or hasty or excitable. The scene clocks in at nine narcotic minutes, which, to be honest, would probably test the patience were it not for Andre Bichot's essentially curling music, which holds the viewer in a state of dreamy psychotropic suspension. As the scene reaches its contemplative climax, twittering bird songs in the background acts as a segue into the real world. Lena turns out to have been daydreaming, standing by an open window with a faraway look in her eyes. She's just turned 18, the beautiful daughter of a wealthy couple, Patrick and Marion Marielle. In a more conventional film, one would assume that Linda had been enjoying a private fantasy, but there was something about the other woman that suggested great power. We sense that she's more than just a recollection or a fantasy. It's common in supernatural fiction for a malign present to enter someone's dreams. Here the supernatural antagonist can enter Linda's mind while she daydreams or indulges in a sexual fantasy. It's a brilliantly unsettling idea, one that blurs the line between dreaming and wakefulness. Lorna turns up again while Linda is enjoying a spot of bath time masturbation. 
At this point, Linda still acts as though... Turning the pages... She's creating Lorna within a private fantasy. She is neither shocked nor confused when Lorna appears, merely gazing at her in speculative arousal, as if a vivid fantasy had appeared on the stage of her imagination. This notion that fantasy figures this notion that fantasy figures may actually have a supernatural life of their own is the film's chief innovation. Only during the third visitation does Linda realize that an exterior being has been invading her fantasies as Lorna reveals her name, her intentions, her claim to parentage, and her malicific ability to enter Linda's mind. The viewer may already have guessed that the woman in Linda's fantasies is the same one who telephones Linda's father, demanding he reroute his family holding reroute his family holiday to the Camarage, but the narrative does not disclose this straight away. For the first third of the film, Linda's fantasy life operates on a separate track to the rest of the story. This creates a curious, unstable narrative in which the uncertainty and ambiguity prevail over reason. The first time we see Lorna outside of Linda's sexual imagination is at the hotel nightclub where she speaks to Patrick. She's wearing a silver wig in place of the previous brassy curls, though thanks to the extraordinary eye makeup, she's clearly the same woman. After a hallucinatory drive along the science-fictional seafront of La Grande Motte, Patrick goes to Lorna's apartment where we begin to understand the plot that unites Linda's fantasies and her father's problems. It emerges that Lorna is a witch. Eighteen years ago, her magical powers gave Patrick the great wealth he now enjoys. In return for making him rich, Lorna demanded the body and soul of his yet-to-be-conceived first child. In the depths of financial despair, he agreed to Lorna's seemingly absurd pact, and now she's ready to collect. The first half hour, we see the Mario family holiday repeatedly interrupted by Lorna's telephone calls demanding to see Patrick at the casino, at the nightclub, at her apartment. On each occasion, Patrick slips nervously away with no plausible excuse, while his wife and daughter remain mute and incurious. This plot strand may be happening in the real world, but it has an odd nightmare quality, reminiscent of anxiety dreams in which one dreads the imminent unveiling of a nameless secret, the revelation of which is constantly deferred. Just as Lorna is able to slip into Linda's mind, so too the depicted boundary between the rational universe and the supernatural are transgressed by Franco's gradually more oneric approach to both. Lorna is tr- a truly monstrous figure. Her designs upon Linda are the enactment of a rapaciously controlling will. She even refers to the girl as her possession. This is not a tale of liberating desire. It's a tale of manipulation and psychic rape. Meanwhile, the fact that Lorna regards herself as Linda's mother while engaging in sexual seduction takes the film into an extraordinary realm of perversity. Lorna claims that Linda was born to Mariana only because she, Lorna, willed it. She says that she pleasured Patrick's through Mariana. In flashback, we hear Patrick murmuring Lorna's name during Linda's conception. She also claims to be responsible for Mariana becoming pregnant, which helps make sense of the film's most dauntingly horrible image. Um, I'm talking about the scene with the crabs, as anyone who has heard any thing about the film probably knows it. Without warning, Mariana's vagina disgorges tiny sea crabs, an idea that shocks as much for its surrealism as its ability to inspire avulsion. 
Mondo Macabro's excellent DVD translation clarifies the English-speaking viewers that Lorna has control of Marianne's womb and so can implant within it whatever she wants, either child for whom Marianne must act as unwilling surrogate mother or a punishing infestation which drives a poor woman quite mad and ultimately kills her. Thanks to a new scene in Mon Macabre's expanded edition, the eagle-eyed viewer may notice that it's a seafood restaurant sign, featuring lobster, which alerts Patrick to the exact whereabouts of Lorna's apartment. Could it be the sign that the... Could it be that the scene with the crabs was inspired by the very same sign? Perhaps both evil Lorna and crazy Jess Franco were inspired while learning, while leaning out a hotel window and seeing an dynamic crustacean on a sign beneath the street. But in the randomness of the image can be partially emolliated by context. There's still the element of repulsion to contend with, a repulsion that must have a powerful negative charge for the filmmaker himself. No one who has watched more than a handful of his films could fail to notice that when it comes to sexual preference, Jess Franco is a pussy hound. Not for him, the memory excess of Russ Meyer or the ass fetishism of Tinto Brass. Long legs, forget it. Tapering waist or luxurious hair, bah. For Franco, it all comes down to pussy. His camera is obsessed with it, zooming and peering and staring. The relentless, uninhibited way that Franco seeks out the vagina is one of the hallmarks of this cinema. He's also fond of filming cunnilingus, by no means a universally predilection in heterosexual porn. So, for a man in love with pussy, this shocking scene in which a monstrous sea lice comes crawling out of a woman's sex is a concentrated nightmare. That which is most desired becomes most repugnant and unfamiliar. It's also significant that the victim is Linda's mother. This, coupled with Stanford playing an incestuous witch, means that Lorna is among the most pathologically divided of Franco's horror films. Clearly, we're dealing with a nightmare of monstrous motherhood involving two contrasting maternal figures, one who is psychically dominant but physically sterile, and another who is nurturing but powerlessly fecund, unable to even choose which species he gives birth to. Having dominated the good mother, tricked and defeated the cheating father, and violated the bond of matrimony, Lorna assumes total power during the film's climactic rape as she draws the mesmerized Linda into a prolonged breast-sucking sequence, heavy with unsavory incestuous implications, then plunders the teenager's virginity with a carved phallus, a strange and uh, st- strange and obscurely disgusting object hewn into the shape of a human penis but colored more like a dog ramming it between Linda's legs she then pulls it back out and sucks it in this weird and disturbing scene Franco achieves a violation of the incest taboo that would stand as his most transgressive until the hardcore free-for-all fellow crest 1987 does Lorna now possess Linda this is what we've been led to expect, but it's not so simple. Before penetrating the girl, Lorna declares, I'm going to transmit to you all of my powers. Afterwards, when Patrick finds Lorna's apartment and shoots her, she tells him, The one destined by fate to replace me has taken over your lovely child. So Lorna is not reborn in Linda. Instead, she passes something onto her, a spiritual infestation to echo the physical infestation earlier. 
The first thing the new Linda does is to seduce and then murder her father. As the film ends, we're left with the ultimate satanic threat realized. The daughter has murdered the father, shattered patriarchal law, and through the death of Lorna, linked hands in a chain of endless perversion. Unlike the satanic possession of the exorcist, there is no recourse to a higher authority, no safe pair of existential hands to break the fall. And so the film's incoherent title has meaning after all. It speaks of a complete disjuncture between corruption and salvation. In the film called Lorna, the exorcist, who could have guessed that a row of dots would signify more than either the terms it separates? Lorna is a strange and perplexing experience made with the casual rapidity so common to Franco's work in the mid-70s. But while it's clearly shot in haste, it spins its mesmerizing web at leisure. Perhaps Franco stretches the material a little thin here and there. Perhaps a story could do with another strand, a bit more flesh on the bone. However, as long as you surrender to its measured rhythm, the film takes you to another place. One sense of time is frequently overwhelmed by Franco's tranquil placing and Andrea Benichot's psychedelically disorienting music, and while the result isn't seamless, it's often like a waking dream. With a shuddering sense of illicit eroticism sliding into nightmare, it's maybe not the ideal place for a Franco novice to start, but it will very much reward those who begin to acclimate his, to his style and who feel they're ready for the hard stuff. Small cast, a claustrophobic atmosphere, a sense of encroaching sickness, mingled with the fermenting fruits of perverted desire, as is Franco is most extraordinary. All right, Franco on screen. Franco plays the head of a private clinic who's caring for Lorna's discarded former lover. Has anyone checked his credentials? Surely it's odd for a patient to intend psychiatric consultions wearing just a blouse, sexy stockings, and no knickers. Cast and crew. The film belongs to the extraordinary Pamela Stanford, whose stunning appearance and uninhibited sensuality electrify this film. Stanford was born Monique Delancey, October 30th, 1950, in Fontainebleau near Paris, and trained as a dancer before entering the film industry in 1970. She appeared in a string of pornographic and semi-pornographic roles, including eight films for Franco, four with Alan Payette, one for José Benefo, and numerous Eurocene Osserans. She went on to be a powerful present in Franco cinemas, co-starring in La Grande Mordeuses and Sexy Sisters, and playing smaller supporting roles in Le Chateaulis, Le Genesois, Blue Rita, and The Cannibals. Asked in 1977, just after shooting Césaris and Esgales for Franco's close friend Richard Bigottini, whether Bigottini's methods were similar to Franco's, Stanford laughed, oh, not at all. It's actually quite serious, which is not to say that Franco is not serious, but here there is a script, structured. Almost as impressive is Lena Romay, whose eventual descent into screaming madness is a tour de force as distressing as anything Franco has filmed. Jacqueline Laurent, as Linda's mother, is struck with a purely reactive role, although she too pulls out all the stops for her big scene. This was her second and last role for Franco, having previously appeared in Center, the Secret Diary of Nymphomaniac. Laurent's last scene screen role was apparently in Alan Payette's Nathalie, Fugitive from Hell, although alongside Pamela Stanford. The only other important female role goes to Caroline Leferry, playing Lorna's one-time lover, now incarcerated in a pokey little private clinic. 
the dinginess of which seems to be an even greater risk to one's sanity than a dream-hopping lesbian witch. There is only one important male in the male in the film, so thankfully he's well cast. Guy de Rome is excellent as the secretive father, conveying suppressed anxiety and a sort of existential weariness. As an established character actor with many credits to his name in French cinema and TV, he appeared here in the first of only two Franco excursions, Blue Rita being the other. Ray Franco, regular Bigotini, turns up as a helpful hotel, hotel maitre d' um, who provides Patrick with a gun, and Howard Vernon appears as Lorna's manservant, bashing Patrick around the head with a giant conch, the second sea creature put to untypical use in the film. Music haphazardly sound edited, with music cues dropping abruptly in and out and blatantly looped when they don't fit. The film's audio design nonetheless amplifies the film's brooding, malevolent atmosphere. It's as though Lorna's evil influence and the lack of any boundaries protecting the Marielle family are embodied by the music spilling over the edge of scenes and sprawling where it pleases. Benichot's score is a major ally to Franco's style, with a sweetly meandering acoustic guitar melody alternating with with fatalistic flamenco and a poisonous array of electric guitar sounds, from psychedelic strumming to the most malevolent wah-wah. Locations. The film's principal location is La Grande Motte in the Languedoc region of southern France. Franco imbues the place with a quasi-Belladarian sci-fi ambiance of exotic alien sickness, but it's actually a hugely popular seaside resort purposely built in the mid-60s and celebrated for its distinctly pyramid, distinctive pyramidal buildings by architect Jean Balladier, who took his inspiration from the architecture of Mexican antiquity. The 16-story Grande Pyramide, finished in 74, still dominates the skyline. It can be seen in the film in the final stages of construction, with work still taking place on the upper levels. Lorna's interiors were evidently shot in one of the central Balladur-designed hotels. Their characteristic balcony railings can be spied through the windows in Lorna's apartment and through the window of the hotel room where the Mariel family are staying. Note how the bedspread design in the hotel room echo the hotel exterior. Franco shot two more films in the region, Midnight Party and The Extraordinary Shining Sex. Connections. The character, played by Catherine Leferre, psychically addicted to a powerful sorceress recalls Renfield and Bram Stoker's Dracula and the, simulus, the similarly deranged and abandoned Agra in Vampiros Lesbos. Uh, Linda stabs her father in the back of the neck with a long blade when he stoops to kiss her, a Corinda-inspired killing which echoes the finale of Succubus. When Linda, possessed by Lorna, first enters Mariel's room at the clinic, there are photographs pinned to the wall, including two stills from Lena Romay's nightclub sequence in Kiss Me Killer, in which she performs a sexy strip routine with a replica Greek statue. Franco revisited the notion of a witch passing on her magic powers to the excellent Macumba Sexual, 1981. All right, wrapping up this part. Other versions. Although the film was apparently first released as Lorna Le Exorcist, Comptour also opted for the somewhat inelegant retelling of La Possédie de Debalais, Lorna Le Exorcist, an incredibly battered and brown-hued cinema print of which made it onto French video back in the early 80s. Le Possédie de Debalais means literally the devil's possessed women. The alternatively titled Le Possédie du Diamant is unconfirmed and may actually be a case of mistaken identity. The 1964 Delito a los Spacio by Jean 
Jofovici and Nembregio Moltini is also known as both Sexy Party and Le Possédi du Démon, considering that Lorna the Exorcist was called Sexy Diabolique Story for its Italian theatrical release and Le Possédis du Diabolique for its French re-release, I suspect someone has confused the two films. The Belgian title, Clean Fexing Machin Ville Heiber, as seen on the poster, translates as Little Vixens Make Big Trouble, which sounds more like a variation of a different 74 Franco film, The Great Bloody Nuances, Le Grande Mordusus. Uh, however, the poster clearly credits Lorna's Guy de la More, who does not appear in the other film. So, yeah, it's quite a bit of um, writing on that film by Stephen Thrower. So, yeah, some, some films are smaller and some are uh, quite lengthy. And he dedicates a lot of print to that film. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it. Uh, although, you know, uh kind of spoils it if you haven't seen it, some of the high spots of the film. But it's all good. It's part of uh, getting up for something, you know. Sometimes you like to go into things not knowing anything and sometimes it's kind of cool to know what you're going to see because then you already have a you already know you're going to kind of like it or have that good frame to go to so so it's cool i'm looking forward to that i'll probably be watching it uh very soon here so anyway uh hang out and listen to bumper music and all that good stuff and then you'll hear the review on the other side um and uh see what you think about that uh, you can get a hold of us if you want to reach us, ask us any questions, comments, anything you want to. Uh, find us at francoobserver at yahoo.com. It's our email address. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. We have pages there, uh, the Franco Observer Podcast. And let's see. Uh, always please subscribe to the show, uh, download the show, and tell all your friends about it and share it, and uh, let people know about the Franco Observer. Uh, each month, numbers are looking good, as I always say, so um, we're always building a little bit, so let's let's do that next step. If you could help me, I'd appreciate it, because uh, there are a lot of cool Closet Franco fans out there, and uh, we do a weekly show, and uh, I kind of went through my list of Franco stuff. It looks like we're going to be doing about 170 episodes, somewhere around there total, of the films I have of him, so... Uh, yeah, this one being 61, so we're about a third through, a little bit more than a third through, so it's pretty good. A lot more to go, so hang out, and uh, we'll be doing that. So, all right. I think that's about it. Uh, to the pages, to the email address, told you to subscribe. Oh, yeah. Of course, the mission statement is praise the memory of Jess Franco, bringing new eyes and ears to the films of Jess Franco, and we do that with this podcast. I've already turned on a lot of new people, friends of mine, and other places, people and places to Jess Franco. So it's all good. Alrighty, well, I think that's good on this end. Looking at about 32 minutes or so. So I did my part. Alrighty, guys, hang out and listen to Lorna, The Exorcist, or Linda, or one of many titles. Adios. Buddies, welcome once again to the Franco Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions, Sacramento, California-based filmmaking group. Uh, right now we are in the middle of editing 
Lady Hyde and Emmanuel in Sin City and uh, getting rough cuts of those put together as we speak. Uh, but uh, on to other things as, um, you know, I have a, um, for, oh, actually for those that don't know, I have a Pazuzu tattoo and that comes from The Exorcist. And um, another film that has The Exorcist is Lorna The Exorcist. And Lorna The Exorcist is uh, film number 61, episode 61 um, of the Frank Observer podcast. And somebody who's hung around a lot of exorcists in his time, uh, Mr. Eric Whitwell, is here today. Hey! <laughs> uh, have you ever performed any exorcisms in your time? In the bathroom. I see. <laughs> I got that evil out of me. <laughs> was it a Mexican restaurant, Italian restaurant, a bar, all the above? You know, it doesn't seem to matter. My stomach seems to turn it into the same type of shit. I see. Literally. <laughs> well, that's good, yeah. I thought maybe you uh, gave a uh, exorcism to a, uh, you know, ex-family member, like when you were a kid or something. Or oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. Nothing like that, okay. Yeah, no, they, don't, yeah. they don't do those kind of things. I got you, I got you. They're Just, too scared of it. It's more Catholic, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, there was definitely some exorcisms going on in this film, but uh, in different ways and a lot of different uh, traditional, more of a different kind of traditional passing of the torches, so to speak. And there was a torch that was passed, but it was in a different form, and we'll talk about that later. But So, yeah, um, so I'm going to go you give you the synopsis real quick on this. It's actually not much, and we'll talk about this film, which, uh, without giving a spoiler away, I think I enjoyed it, and I think Eric enjoyed it, too, so. All right, synopsis. Um, Linda Marielle is a beautiful teenage girl who experiences strange dreams in which she makes love to an older woman. Yeah, hey, sounds like your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> um, on her 18th birthday, her wealthy parents, Patrick and Marianne, plan to take her for a holiday to Saint-Tropez. Before they can set off, Patrick receives a telephone call from a woman called Lorna, who demands he come to Camarge instead. To the puzzlement of his wife and daughter, who know nothing of the call, he reroutes the family vacation to La Grande Motte, a holiday resort in Carmage. At the hotel, Patrick receives another call from Lorna, whom we recognize as the woman in Linda's dreams. She insists that he come to her apartment. Making excuses, he visits Lorna, who demands that he hand over his daughter. Uh, we learn that they met at a casino 19 years ago while Patrick was on a losing streak. Lorna, a witch, used her malicific influence to assure his winnings and promised him a future of wealth and happiness if he would promise to give her his first, as yet unconceived daughter, on the child's 18th birthday. Crazed with lust and blinded by his winnings, Patrick agreed to this deal with the devil. He returned to his wife, a rich man, and the couple made love. Linda was born nine months later. Now, Linda is 18, and Lorna will stop at nothing to claim her. So, young Eric, what did you think of the film? It was really good. Uh, so yeah, it was a really, really a good movie. Um, yeah, it kept me really interested, you know? And I always had like an air of suspense, even though not much was going on. Yeah, like I was saying, it was like it kind of follows, like a lot of people would go, oh, this movie's boring, there's not a lot going on, but... The theme and the, like you're saying, the suspense of seeing what was going to happen next and just the motion of following and the music and the mood and the editing, I mean, was really well-timed and well-paced all the way through. I thought this film yeah, um, 
And, uh, yeah, we get quick nudity at two minutes, 20 seconds right off the bat. <laughs> so we caught that. We had to make that up. So, so yeah, let, let's go over the list real fast yeah. before we go into the film talk about it because this next film I'm going to probably talk about a little bit. Uh, okay, Body of Water, yes, yes. quite a bit. Uh, sailboats and Boats, yes. yes. Palm Trees, I don't believe so. I didn't see any. Yeah. Jungle Sound Effects, no. Uh, chained Up Person, no. No. Um, dance scenes on stage stripping, no. Yeah, dance scenes, but yes. But club scenes, oh, dancing, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. Yeah, number yeah. eight, yes. Yeah, number eight. Uh, nine, jazz music. Uh, this was The music in this was more like a... Like a... I don't know what the... Uh, the thing it had some was. funkiness to it. Yeah, it was more like a chamber music. I don't know if it was classical. I'm not sure. Yeah, there was yeah. I'm not sure. I'll say I'm not sure on the number nine. Uh, number 10, excessive zooms. I don't think excessive. Mm-hmm. Out of focus shots, yeah, there was yeah. quite a few of those. 12 mirror shots. Yeah, not yes. as much as the last film, but definitely some. Uh, 13, mind control theme, definitely. Yes. Uh, 14, magic tongue scenes. Yes. Okay, yes, okay. Uh, 15, red light, no. 16, sheepskin, No. Masturbate with a C item. Almost. 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 If, if we could do cupped hand. Cupped hand or clock could have been nearby or uh, crustacean had yeah. those possibilities, but those three didn't. But in the bathtub, yeah. Or Lena did have her hand cupped when she went yeah. down to, to twiddle the twaddle. That's true. Well, I don't know about true, but yeah. Um, <laughs> number eight, 17, mad scientist. No, not really a mad no. scientist. Uh, I mean, she's a witch. She's a monster, but not a mad scientist. Uh, 18 fish tank shots, no. 19 talking parrot, no. No. Uh, or animals, any kind. 20 end credits, yes or no, no. No. Just went to black screen with uh in theme that played over it. Uh, 21 handwritten notes, signs no. of any kind, no. Spiral staircase shot, no. Um, inept cops, no. no. They had talked about hiring a police detective or Bigotini's friend was a cop but they didn't really have any connection with the cops in this film of any kind or nothing like that and finally 24 belly chains no yeah. no belly chains um alrighty so let's see um yeah this is a really strong film for me I'd say it's not like top 10 but I don't know I'd probably put it maybe by top 15 it, it was a pretty strong film it follows a lot of the themes I like that Franco does I like when he mixes uh supernatural element with um a woman realizing uh, who she is and her power in the situations that she controls. Uh, it had a kind of a Dracula theme with the Renfield, and he used that a few times with the mind control from a distance and inhabiting somebody's mind and linking the minds and the power that this person controls over everything. Um, the locations were really cool. It was at this uh, resort, this pyramid deal that they were still completing. And uh, they had a really cool exterior place of that. Really cool dance club scenes. All the locations were really, really fucking cool. Um, Pamela Stanford's really good in this. Um, and in the flashback scenes and throughout time, she has like two or three different makeup schemes. One like a green, big eye shadow. Then she does like a golden and a brown one. And then she does one with a different color of less. And then uh, she has like the wig and then her hair in two different sides. And, and she changes her appearance like three different times. So it does look cool that she doesn't look the same through. And even the lead, they have him look a little bit younger in the flashbacks. And uh, Jacqueline Laurent as Lena's mom is really good too. She was in Sinner. Uh, and then in this film, it's her only two Franco films, but she's really serious 
in, in this film, and she really gives it all in the physical stuff that she has to go through in this film. <laughs> and one of those things uh, that she goes through is basically um, Lorna has possessed um, and controlled the um, Lena's mom's um, womb as well. So she decides to show that since she's in control that she possessed her with Lena's baby, that she can also control it. And uh, she has sea crustacean crabs crawling out of her vagina, and we see crabs on the surface. Not literally crawling out, but no, giving no. the appearance of crawling out and more showing up. And, and, yeah, and they're real. Yeah, living crabs, like little, yeah. these little itty-bitty living yeah, crabs all the over the size of your palm, maybe, or something, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were cute. They were really cute, man. So you said the twaddle and the woo-woo so far. Yeah. Twiddle the twaddle and the woo-woo. The woo-woo, yeah. Okay. So, so, is it the twa- <laughs> so is it the twaddle or the woo-woo? Sorry for my proper English. <laughs> proper? <laughs> Just dancing around the bad words. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, yeah, those like, little crabs just all over her, you yeah. know, and yeah, they were super cute. They were super cute crabs, and they started knocking them on the ground and stepping it, on them. Stepping on them, man! Yeah. You see the crabs like they're all throwing up their claws, like you know, to defend themselves. And that foot just bam. Yeah, the guy just sold. crushes them. Yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was but it was cool because the crabs were also on the banners by her place, and so he was able to track her down later on the film, and it actually shows something. But no, it was cool. There's a lot of the linking stuff because you had the seaside town, and you had her, and the crabs, and the crab, and 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 then he was dressed as like a, a, a pea coat later and he's like looking for her and like a fisherman and stuff. So they had a lot of good themes coming through with this thing. A lot of the stuff linked together. Um, although the editing on the gambling sequences were off because yeah. when he won, they said a different number and we're like, wait, he lost, but then he still won. And it was yeah. like he bet 11 and then 20, 32 and other stuff and it wasn't matching up on the editing. So that part was kind of bad. But uh, He lost um, and they pushed money in front of him. Yeah. Like, wait, no, he lost though. Unless that was supposed to be the... The, him just keep winning all the time even when he's supposed to lose no, I don't think it was that you know what I'm saying because they said that he was on a winning streak and he was a rich man after that yeah like maybe they just kept paying him even though he lost you know like they were all you know I mean, saying, it's possible like, hypnotized, like even when you lose you still win type deal it's like, possible I mean like, Franco doesn't like, always have everything explained right in his movie so know, that it could be really be possible edi- yeah, it could be lazy editing or it could be see and that's the thing if they would have said hey even when I lost I still won that little voiceover over that footage would yeah. have made it jive together a little better than just having that going, wait, this and this, that doesn't make sense and not really explaining it. I'd rather they ha- have a talking bird, though, narrated. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He still wins. <laughs> or even have the crabs talking when they come out of her. Please don't kill us. Please don't kill us. We can make some good pets. Yeah. But yeah. We'll grow big and strong and you can eat our claws. They're yeah. really delicious. Le- we will live with Lena. Lena will be our mama. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, no, this film was very beautifully shot and very disturbing as well. Uh, yeah. I can't go on and say, oh, it's so beautiful and that stuff, because there's scenes of really cool and bizarre, like, sex magic stuff with, uh, I don't know if that's supposed to be like a, well, use a phallic object, I don't know if that's supposed to be a real penis, or if it's supposed to be like a statue penis, or like a, or I don't know what, because it looked like it was supposed to be real, but then it wasn't supposed to be real. I'm not sure. Yeah, it was like a stone dildo. Yeah, okay. But yeah. It looks like the way it was painted, though, it looked like it was supposed to be yeah. like yeah. a dead man's dong or something. I don't know. So Dong. Yeah, <laughs> dead man's dick. <laughs> dong in the, the woo-woo. Yeah. Well, I only said one word for it. I didn't give 20 words. 
Closet <laughs> pussy. I dare you. <laughs> I'm a pussy. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So, um, but no, there, there was there there was some twisted sh- stuff in here with you yeah. Know, especially when it's supposed to be like her mom, and then she's like supposed to be with her daughter. So that's yeah, know, that's, that's bizarre. Yeah, she basically sticks the the. Okay, so here's a question yeah. for me then, okay, Mister Hypocrite Tattoo. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So the mom and her was okay. But then the dad does it. Well, I didn't say it was okay. Oh, okay, but you didn't react as strong. The dad did it. Oh, good. You deserve it. You deserve oh, it. Said. Well, he well, mom's just... nothing, though. Okay, okay, okay. So this is, okay. So, okay, I can see what you're saying. Okay, so the mom, when that Double was standard. happening, when that was happening, right, they, she was performing a ritual on her. She was passing her powers on to her. So that was like in a ritual way she was doing that. I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not justifying it right. at all. Especially in the beginning, they show her and her. And the yeah, 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 but that's before you knew, and, yeah. Right. But still. But yeah, yeah. No, 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 some wrong shit happening. <laughs> but like, you know, it's like, that was in a ritual to pass the power on he just came home and saw his daughter laying naked on the bed right with her legs open and then she grabs his hand and puts one of his hands on her breast he on his own sticks his other hand on her other breast and then says you are so beautiful and then goes to kiss her like no 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 he was creeper he was creeper at least the mom was performing a ritual to pass on the power he was trying to get some woo woo unless when she looked at him Lorna was possessed of the father, and he thought it was Lorna, so he went to her and so said, you're saying you're so that it was okay then. So you're saying it was okay. No, I'm saying the father didn't know. Just like you didn't know it was the mom. <laughs> you don't think the father okay. knew? He knew. Possibly, you know, but but of him saying you're so Possibly. beautiful, he might have thought it was Lorna, like the the witch, the original one, because oh, you're so beautiful. Like he's still possessed by Lorna. Like he looks at he, her and sees Lorna, just like everybody looks at you know, like. Like, uh, for instance, the woman, when Lena first gets out and um, materializes to the door and goes with that woman, she keeps calling her Lorna. She's like, oh, Lorna, Lorna, when she's yeah. kissing her. So when the guy sees her, he says, oh, you're so beautiful. And maybe he thought he was still saying Lorna. Okay. That... Because she says, I transferred myself to you. And so now okay. Lorna is reborn. Well, she her. did have Lorna's energy all of a sudden. Like, right. she was like, now she was like on the and, bed with her legs open. people see her as Lorna. And when, and there was a difference. Like when he opened the door and she was in the shower and he was, she's like, oh, so you're not embarrassed by seeing me naked. Um, right. And so like. You know, she that her energy had changed at that point. You right. know what I mean? But she still was always running around in negligees. Right, right. right. Like you know, even running in with her mom butt naked. What's wrong with mom? You know, like, like yeah. that, that family was very open to That's like true. to to like the the nudity. But that yeah, that nudity I think was a little different because she was sleeping naked. And she ran in and like the father didn't look at her. No, yeah, like, I get that. It was yeah, like no, a no. traumatic thing. He's like, oh, your mom. Yeah. You know, he was like concentrating on that. But she so. does run around like a little negligees and like little. And who's the person playing the role again? Lena. There you go. Yeah. You expect her to wear what? Like a whole nun's habit or? No, 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 not at all. No, no, not at all. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, if you take it as like. And not just being Lena, but as being that man's daughter. Right, 18 year You know, 18 year old daughter, right, like, right, right. you know, running around with a little teddy and shit like that on, you know. Yeah. Your mom's dead, you know, and now, now all of a sudden she has a teddy on and the cops are there. Yeah. You know. <laughs> well, the cop being Big Otini, the fucking, you know, <laughs> desk clerk. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, so no, it's just, yeah, he was, that was just, yeah. That was just. And it's cool watching this back to back with the last film because Big Otini and her have that playful manner and here they pretend like they don't even know each other yeah you know? and she just comes in and you know i know i'm on it's, it's funny to watch these right after that and all this stuff well all of them like it's so funny like, her and pamela stanford like, you Stanford's know what i mean it's the like last film yeah she's like a virgin that doesn't didn't have anything yeah, it's funny and then here she's like the total fucking queen of yeah. This and that. yeah 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 and then lena's and that's what i was saying too it's awesome because in this 
Lena. Lena's really good because in the last film, she was totally free with sex and she wanted to share her sex with everybody and it was viewed as a positive thing. Loose, free, whatever, however, devil may care attitude. And in this, it's um, she has the sex, but it's a temptation thing of like the father and the, oh my God, you're not supposed to, and, and just the most resisting thing. And it's like tempted by the devil himself, like that yeah. kind of thing, like he's not supposed to. And she's the other side of that coin of in this, where it's yeah. the evil side of that, like, oh, you're not supposed to do that, like with your relatives or other things it's blah 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 you know yeah the the, the no-nos and all that stuff so like that's yeah, definitely she plays with it so it's totally different it's really interesting yeah you know? no yeah it's, it's it's really kind of funny that you did those two movies like back well back to back yeah because like the one before that one was um exorcism right no it was uh kiss me killer okay yeah kiss me killer and then tender in reverse or no no i'm sorry no you're right it was um exorcism yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It was, so did it go yeah. from exorcism to Celestine. To Celestine to The Exorcist. Exorcist. Yeah. It's just kinda it was kind of like it was just it's just weird. Like the like those are such different movies. Like yeah. such completely different movies. And the next one is kind of a sex comedy too. So he kinda goes back and forth to kinda like That's just so heavy, crazy. Dark, heavy light, That's so crazy. Know? Yeah. Like, I just wonder what it's going through when he's just writing all these scripts. Like just yeah, he's probably okay. Do heavy one, do a light one. Do heavy one, do a yeah. light one, and just okay. Let's do do a horror one. Then we'll do a common and just yeah. whatever's popular. And I probably saw that The Exorcist too, just because you know that was oh, yeah, cash yeah. in. And it's time to fund the next hundred movies, right? Exactly. <laughs> Figuring all that stuff out, but uh, no, this was and then Lena too. Lena's really good in this last scene of her like going crazy after she kills her father and her eyes going wide, her mouth opening, yelling and stuff. Oh, and she wears the cool black boots with the drag or with the flowers on the side that you see and. At least a half dozen Franco films, including I think, uh, um, um, Soldad wears them, wears them too, I believe, and uh, I think uh, Eugenie as well. I'm not sure, but I definitely seen those boots a few times before. Yeah, they're very cool. I, I, he, they they all like those high the the high water boots. Yeah, the, the black leather boots. But uh, yeah, and then also to the the lead. This reminded me of Paul Mueller as well. Also mixed, with, and then you said it reminded you of who again? Uh, I said Alan Alda, and you said. Uh, Oh, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. He has a couple times where he kind of looks like that. Yeah, kind of that. Yeah, there's one scene in here too that's really cool. I don't know if I don't know if you guys when you guys watch this, make sure you check out. So there's a really cool scene where he's filming around a car. And you oh got yeah, the reflection go. in the car of all the buildings and super cool the way it was shot. But they, he's right there in the corner of the the reflection, so you could totally see the camera. Yeah, there's there's twice he's caught on the side of the red car. You see Jess Franco's head on it, and then you also see the part of the camera as well on it. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, that's fucking cool. So, but it's a beautifully shot scene. Like, I mean, it's super cool cinematography, but just uh, just having to having to be in it. And also, too, I was thinking about uh, two things. I was thinking about this is um, Lena can be called Lena Lick a lot. Because Lena does lick a lot. An MC name. And also, I was thinking if I do a theme song for the list, um, there's that Who song called The Magic Bus. I want to do a song called The Magic Tongue. Like Lena Romay. <laughs> the Magic Tongue. Like, do a cover of that. Because so, I don't know. Because that's what I think about Lena. Lena is The Magic Tongue. So. <laughs> and Fear or Desire. What is this film? Fear or Desire or both? Ooh. Uh, shoot. Um,. I I'd say desire, but there's a lot of fear too. There's a lot of fear in it, but it's desire. He desires wealth. He desires this and that and stuff, and then she desires his daughter. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah. Of course, you know. I think, yeah. And you can say fear in a lot of stuff, but I think it's, I think that. Yeah, desire. Be, I can see desire. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what made him give in and agree Right, is the to desire it. to be rich. To yeah, and, so, and to have her. Right. To, to have. Um, right, to fuck her as well. Yeah. yeah. In the beginning, like, that's where he wanted Lorna. Even though his wife was at in the hotel. Yeah, it was like he, 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 I think he saw her eye makeup and was like, are you in a John Waters movie or are you in the Holy Mountain or which movie are you in? I, I must fuck you right now. So. I must know if you're a man or female. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool, man. I know certain certain shots in here, it's like, I kind of look twice like, wow, Pamela, you know. Pamela's very diverse in this film, so she definitely carries quite a few looks in this, which yeah. is really cool. She's very diverse. Um, so yeah, this version we watched is the Mondo Macabro, uh, out of print DVD. It's really good cut. Uh, we watched the French track with English subtitles cause it's in French, which is really cool to see the original language and not some other thing. So seeing everybody's lips move the right way is always nice. Uh, this does have an English version on here, but it says rare R N G L I S Ringlish version. I don't know about that kind of language, but uh, that's on there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so hopefully they'll put this out on Blu-ray, um, by Modern Macabro. They're always putting out stuff, so hopefully they'll, they'll do that because it's a really strong flick and, uh, yeah, it's good. I really don't know why it's not on Blu-ray really compared to other stuff. Yeah, so. compared to a lot of the other ones that he's come out with, like this one's r- much better. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a strong film. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's shocking. It's got its stuff, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, got some, got some pretty, got some porn stuff in there. Yeah, so yeah, it definitely yeah, definitely so, fills so, everybody's uh, some la la licking. Yeah, there you go. Just use another word. <laughs> you see Lena's amazing fur burger <laughs> on full display. You see her hash brown. You see her hash brown and her fur burger. Yeah, so it's so very nice. But uh, and if you want to tell us other words that you like to call vaginas, you can at uh, francoobserver at yahoo dot com. Or if you'd like to send us a picture of what you think a vagina looks like. Wow. Okay. Send us to Jesse. Take care of Eric Whitwell. <laughs> That's E-R-I-C, like E-Rick. So. Crowns would be really nice if you could do it in crowns. Yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. hang them up in my apartment. <laughs> yeah. Put them next to roller coaster pictures and we'll all be set. Um, and for fine content like that, if you want to send us donations, you can now. There's a donation button on the side of the show, so... If you want to donate uh, money or donate pictures to Eric, you can do that. Like I said, at FrancoObserver at Yahoo.com. Uh, or you can also find us at Facebook and Instagram uh, under the Franco Observer Podcast. Uh, also, please um, subscribe to the podcast, uh, like it, share it, um, and yell it to all your friends. Tell everybody about it um, and all that good stuff. It's on all your favorite listening platforms, growing every day. And by leaps and bounds. So yeah, already up to episode sixty one now. So yeah, and you you can't say that there's another podcast out there that's delving so deeply into the Franco universe, or delving so deeply into Lena's uh, fur burger. Uh, uh. <laughs> no, Lena though the, these these are. I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna sit there and be sexist, or but these are prime Lena years that we're watching right now. Lena's like so amazing in these last yeah, five or six films. Very know? vibrant, very young, vibrant, yeah. very strong. Very yeah, strong. very yeah. very awesome. So yeah, these are. That's what's great about making films, is especially if you're with somebody for a long stretch of time. Is the time capsule you see all their different stages, you know. And here, Lena's just not mean yet, and she's not like queen evil yet. She's not doing the Dietrich stuff. She's like just learning her powers and getting getting her strength. And it's it's almost like a boxer or a wrestler. She's like winning her first titles, and she's still young and hungry and and just 
hitting the bags and fucking doing the really good five five star matches and, and, and doing her stuff. So really really fun to watch. Taking out everybody, taking on people, learning the magic tongue technique. You know, <laughs> chopping off heads, chopping off dicks, fucking taking taking names. <laughs> so yeah, so good times. But uh, so with that, does that scare you away from any last words? I oh, know. Beautiful nights. <laughs> beautiful nights. Bye.